Empty us of all, anything that's distracting us from you this morning. God, we give you our praise. We give you our worship in Jesus' name.
Amen. Right now, before we even move forward, let's just open our hearts to God. Let's just tell him how thankful we are, how grateful we are to him today. If you want to lift your hands, if you want to close your eyes, I just want to encourage you right now, find your own words and in your own way, let's just thank God for who he is for another moment. Jesus, we thank you that you alone are holy. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for us. Thank you that you saved us. Thank you that you have redeemed us. We take our place today. We join in that ancient chorus, which will go on forever and ever and ever, that you are holy, God. There is none like you. There is none more worthy of my praise, Lord Jesus, than you. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name. This morning I'm reminded, as we sang that song, the writer of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, he said that we are receiving a kingdom which is unshakable. You know, in the world that we live, sometimes things are going to shake. Sometimes the ground and the sand, it's going to shift a little bit. It's so easy for us to define our lives by the sand that's moving and shifting around us. But the reality is, is that we are in Christ. We stand on a firm foundation. And this morning, I don't know what's going on in your world. I don't know what might be defining your life. I don't know what might have been bothering you when you woke up this morning. I don't know what you might have brought with you when you came into this place today. Maybe you feel like you're facing opposition. Can I just encourage you? Just take a step onto the firm foundation that is Christ this morning. Let our identity be found in Him. Let our world be found in Him today. And one more time, let's just pray. Let's just ask for God to come and have His way in our life. Today, individually, but collectively, as we get into God's Word here in just a moment, let's just invite Him to come in and put His foundation underneath our feet today, okay? God, one more time, we thank You so much for all that you have done for us. Jesus, we put our hope and our faith in you this morning. We lay aside what's going on in our world, the circumstances of our lives. We know that those things are real, and those things might even be very serious today, but we look to you as the author and the finisher of our faith, and we know that our entire existence is defined by what you have done for us. So today, Father, we align ourselves with your kingdom. We stand on the solid rock, on the firm foundation that is Christ, And we declare, Lord Jesus, that we will not be shaken because we are found in you. Thank you again. Come and speak to us today, Father. Have your way in our lives. Encourage us. Challenge us in the areas that we need to be challenged, that we might be made more into the image of Christ today. We welcome your Holy Spirit here today today to speak to us and to move in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said Amen. amen. Come on, would you join me? Let's just praise our God one more time this morning. Awesome. It is so good to be in church with you this morning. Anybody happy to be in the house of God? Awesome. Hey, there's joy in the house today. We sense it today. feel like we came expecting to receive, to hear from the Lord, and we're thrilled that you are here. Listen, before you're seated this morning, I just want to take another moment and encourage you. If you came with your kids, if you came as families, we want to give you the opportunity. If you'd like to join us in the family room this morning, the family room is open. You can just walk out to the foyer turn left or you can go through these double doors right here and hang a right and join us in the family room if you'd like to take your family or your kids in there. If you'd like to keep your family in service this morning, you are welcome to do that as well. We're so glad that you are here. Turn around, say hi to somebody, wave at them real quick, give them a big smile and let them know that you appreciate seeing them in church this morning before you find your seat.
Good morning again, Bridge family. We're so happy to be in church with you today. Fall is here and we're gearing up for the holiday season here at the Bridge. And even though this year has been so much different than previous years, we're so excited to spend the weeks ahead with you and your family and enjoy all that this season has to offer. Here's a look at what's coming up in church life. Today, our community care program is prepared to distribute 200 Thanksgiving meal bags to families needing assistance this year. We just want to take a moment and say thank you to you, our church family, for generously bringing food and making a difference this holiday season. Because of your generosity and the donations we've received from our partners, many families will be able to enjoy a Thanksgiving meal this year when they would not have otherwise. So again, thank you so much for seeing need and responding. We are grateful for your selfless generosity. If you are new to The Bridge and you want to get connected or serve on a team, we invite you to come to Connecting Point on Sunday, December 6th. Connecting Point is where you go to learn more about the history, heart, mission, and vision of The Bridge Church. But most importantly, find out where you fit in. We ask anyone who wants to serve on a team to first come to Connecting Point. And there's never been a better time than now to join a team and serve here in the church. So make your plans to join us again on Sunday, December 6th during the 1130 service. If you have kids, Bridge Kids will be open during the service to serve them. We want to help you find your place in the Bridge family. And we look forward to seeing you at Connecting Point. What's up, Bridge Youth? Just so you guys know that we're going to be changing things up a little bit this week for youth, given that Thanksgiving is going to be this week. This Wednesday, we're going to be meeting on our IG Live on Instagram at bridgeyth underscore at 7 p.m. still. We're going to have a ton of fun things planned, and given the fact that some of you guys might be with your families or possibly traveling, we still want all of you guys to be able to attend Bridge Youth this week on Instagram at 7. We're going to be having giveaways. Me, JJ, and I are going to be hosting. There's a ton of fun things planned, so we hope to see you all there this Wednesday at 7 p.m. at bridgeyth underscore on our IG live. See you all there. Bridge Women Connect groups are happening throughout the week across the Temecula Valley. Ladies, it's not too late to join a group and grow in your walk with God in the company of other amazing women. There are in-person, online, and hybrid groups available for you to join. If you'd like to find a group, just go to the Bridge Women page of our website or check out the Bridge app. We want to help you grow in your faith and build strong relationships this fall. If you're new to the church, we want to help you find your place and get connected. We invite you to go to our website or the Bridge app and click on the Connect tab. There you'll find a Connect card with details to help you get connected. If you don't yet have the Bridge app, just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app, to 77977. This is the best way to stay updated with everything happening in church life. Thanks again for being in church today. We love spending Sundays with you. Awesome. Hey, it's good to be in church with everybody this morning. Thank you so, so much for being here today. Uh, a couple things I want to share with you, but before we do that, I just want to say I know that there are many, many families that today you came for the first time or your kids were checked in at Bridge Kids for the first time. And our lines were a little bit longer out there, but I know that we had a lot of new kids that were here today. So I just want to welcome all of our new families and all of our new kids today. We're so, so glad that you're here today. Thank you so much for being in church today. We really, really appreciate it. 
Hey, as you drove in this morning, you might have noticed there were a lot of cars on that side of the parking lot, and that is because today we are doing our Thanksgiving meal bag distribution that's happening in our community care program. And I just want to tell you about this because you have played a part in this. And this morning, actually right now, we are distributing over 200 Thanksgiving meals to families. And that's because of your generosity, because of our amazing partners. So give yourselves a big hand. Thank you so, so much. For your generosity, it's great to be able to be a blessing this year to families who are in need. And speaking of that, we want to talk to you a little bit about our Christmas initiative this year, which is our Adopt-A-Child program. And if you're a regular here at the Bridge and you've been a part of the Bridge family for a long time, you know about Adopt-A-Child. This is an opportunity that we have every single year to come alongside parents who might be facing financial hardship, and perhaps it's difficult or maybe even impossible for you to provide gifts for your kids this year at Christmas. We want to help you. As the church, we believe that we ought to be able to help those who can't provide gifts for their kids. So if that's you today and you find yourself in that bind, in that situation, you know what? We're not going to put anybody on the spot or embarrass you. In fact, we want to honor your privacy and confidentiality. But right after this service, if that's you and you find yourself in that predicament where this year it's going to be impossible or very, very difficult to provide gifts for your kids, we want to help you. I want to encourage you to come and do name submissions this morning. Just come and talk to our team. You can come to the South Hall right over here through those double doors. Our team will be there in the hallway ready to help, get your information, give you the details about what that looks like and how it is that we do this. We want to partner with you. We actually want to help you with these gifts so that you can give those gifts to your kids if that's you, okay? So please take advantage of this because this is something that we want to do to make sure that all the families of the Bridge Church have a great Christmas. How many people think that's a good idea to help families in need at Christmas time? Awesome. So don't be ashamed. Don't be shy. Come and see our team because we want to help you. All right. Hey, we're going to get into God's word this morning. So put your hands together and welcome Pastor Gary as he comes to share the word this morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? I told first service, I don't usually get ovation before I even speak. It's pretty cool. Usually I get an ovation when I stop speaking. People are happy about that. You know what? Let's just take a minute and let's let's just pray and open our hearts and ask God to speak to us today, okay? Father, I thank you for your word today. It's, It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our pathways. And I pray today that you would just speak to every one of us as the Holy Spirit takes the word and just applies it to our hearts. Father, show us the things that we need to see and know as individuals. Show us what we need to understand as a church so we can go forward in your freedom and blessing. Now, thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this is Thanksgiving week, and I'm not going to be sharing a Thanksgiving message as such today. I've got something else in my heart that I want to give you. But, but I do want to say to you today, this being Thanksgiving week, I, I do this every year, and sometimes I feel like, you know, for a lot of people, it's like, oh, yeah, we hear it every year. It is so important for you to take time this week and just express your thanks to God and to people around you for all of the blessings that are in our lives. Really important. And it's a compound word. It's thanks and it's giving. You may have thanks in your heart, but you need to express it to God and to people in your life who are important, people who've been good to you. Take time to be thankful this week. It's what the week is really all about, and especially Thursday, we get so caught up in what we're going to eat, and sometimes we forget who provided all those blessings for us. So be sure and be thankful this week. I'm going to dive into Ephesians chapter 6. I ask you to join me this morning. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen. 
I want to talk to you about being armed or disarmed. Are you armed or are you disarmed? Are you armed or are you unarmed? Are you ready for battle or are you totally unprepared for what's coming next? You know, God has provided for us a life of victory and freedom in Christ. But if we're going to live a life of victory and freedom, we're going to have to fight and win some battles. It's all throughout God's word. It's clear. We've got to fight. We've got to win some battles. So my question today in beginning is this. What do you wear if you're going to fight a battle? If you're going to fight a battle, what do you wear? Or maybe another question, ask yourself, am I armed and prepared for battle? Or am I disarmed and unprepared for what might come on me unexpectedly? You see, God has provided spiritual armor, spiritual weapons for us to wear for our spiritual battles, but he requires us to suit up and to fight. And you can't win battles if you don't fight battles. And you won't win many battles if you're not dressed appropriately. Now, appropriate dress. You know, Sunday mornings, what is appropriate dress? Well, years ago, the pastor always wore a suit and a tie. And, you know, today I'm in a sport coat and a shirt. A lot of, a lot of Sundays I'm just wearing shirt and jeans or whatever. It, it changes through the years. But spiritual battles, our armor, appropriate dress has never changed. A couple of years ago, there was an older gentleman in our church who's a dear friend. And we went through a month there where we had a couple of weddings with people in the church. And I did like three funerals that month. And so whenever I do weddings and funerals, I always wear my suit and my tie, you know, look my best. Da, 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 da. I look the role of the pastor in those situations. And after one of those funerals, this older gentleman walked up to me and said, you know, I've kind of got used to seeing you wear that suit and tie. And I would like to see you wear a suit and tie more often. And I smiled at him and I said, then you need to come to more weddings and funerals. That's what you need to do. <laughs> now, I know I'm just being a light for a moment here, but, but here's the reality. There are certain occasions when you need to dress appropriately. If you're going to be in a battle, you need to learn how to put on God's armor. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to begin reading at verse 10. We're going to read several verses, but I'm going to break it in two sections today. First of all, let's look at what Paul wrote about battles, about warfare. Beginning in verse 10, here's what he said. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. That means the trickery, the schemes of the devil. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. This passage of scripture, Paul says that we are going to face battles and the nature will be spiritual. That Satan has his ranks from the heavenlies all the way down to earth. And he likes to create havoc and battles in our lives. 
But I want you to notice at the end of this section we just read, Paul said, having done all, having put on the armor, take your stand and get ready for battle. Two commands that Paul gives us here that I want you to notice. First of all, the first command is, he says, be strong. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in his power. And when I say to you, be strong, the, the best way I know to illustrate this is with an antonym. What is, it, what is the opposite of be strong? Thank you, Mike. Be weak. Don't be weak. Be strong. Paul says, I know when battles come your way, especially when they're spiritual battles. You think, well, I don't know how to fight this battle. It's, it's not natural strength. I don't know how to handle it. I don't know what to do. Let me tell you what to do. The first thing you want to do is take your stand. Be strong, not be weak. The enemy loves to try to intimidate us with circumstances that are bigger than us. He loves to come in in ways unexpected where we look at a situation and say, I don't know any way out, so what do we do? We get weak and we tend to give up and look for a, another pathway out of the situation. Paul said, be strong. And I know you say, well, when those things come about, how am I supposed to be strong when it's bigger than me? We're to be strong understanding God's power, not our own power and our own strength. You see, there's a big difference between God's power and my power. Big difference between God's strength and my strength. The question is, when battles come our way, when spiritual things come against us, whose strength do you trust? See, a lot of people trust willpower, or they trust physical strength, or mental strength, or emotional strength. If you're going to win spiritual battles, you need to trust the strength of the Lord. We battle spiritual enemies, so we need spiritual weapons. Paul said, be strong. And then the second command he gives us here, he says, then once you take your stand and you decide, I'm going to be strong and fight, the next thing you need to do is put on the armor of God. And he said, if you put on the armor of God, you will be able to stand against the trickery and the attacks of the devil. Let me say it again. If you will put on the armor of God, you will be able to win the battle. But we need to understand that each piece of God's armor has a function every single day of our lives. We don't dress for battle now and then. We dress for battle every day of our lives. Before service today, talking about battles, my wife was sharing with me a pastor's wife, a good friend of Ann's, sent her a text this morning. Some of you didn't know this, so let me inform you. This text from this lady friend of hers said that in this COVID season, women who gain weight in the COVID season are more likely to live longer than men. Who bring it up? <laughs> now, that, that's a natural battle. That's not a spiritual battle. But you need to understand that there are battles to fight, battles to win. And to fight spiritual battles, we need spiritual armor from God. You know, one of Satan's most effective weapons is trickery. It's deception. 
It's mistruths. Things that resist God's knowledge and God's wisdom. Things we believe that are not right. And one of the things that Satan tries to do is he wants us to drop our armor, drop our guard, become disarmed, unprepared for battle, because just about the time the battle comes and you're not ready and you drop your armor, wham, he's going to nail you. You're going to be saying, what happened? We dropped the armor of God. And, you know, the New Testament has several references to warfare. Don't have time to go through all of it, but let me just give you two or three thoughts real quickly. First Peter chapter 5, Peter said, said that Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So we need to be prepared. Prepared. Actually, if I put it in reverse, what he said was, Satan stalks unprepared people. Let me say that again. Satan stalks unprepared people. We need to be sober and vigilant, be prepared, know what's coming our way, because we do have an adversary and there will be spiritual battles. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said that we need to learn to endure the battlefield like a good soldier fights in a battlefield. And he said that no one engaged in warfare gets entangled or distracted with the things of life. In other words, what he was saying was battlefields are challenging and they demand focus. We cannot take spiritual battles lightly. We have to stay focused and realize the importance of every battle that we face. Jesus said, Matthew 24, that oftentimes battles come without warning. They just show up and we didn't even know it was going to happen. Jesus said if the master of the house was, was, had known when the thief was coming, he would not have allowed him to break into his house. So we need to be ready. We need to be alert. We need to be prepared every day, every moment of our lives wearing the armor of God. Let me ask you a question. Do you dress every day for battle? You need to. Not every week. Every day, you need to put on the armor of God and prepare for battle. So to win battles, I must be strong and I must put on all of God's armor. Now, I want to look at the armor of God for a few minutes and I'm going to move really quickly today. But I want you to notice Ephesians 6, the same chapter. Let's pick it up reading in verse number 14. Here's what Paul says next. Stand therefore. Take your, take your position in battle. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, I want to talk to you, as I said, real quickly for a few minutes about these six pieces of armor. I want to talk about the first two real quickly, and then I'm going to spend a little more time with the last four. But if you'll notice, the first piece of armor that I want to talk about is what Paul called the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate 
of righteousness. Today, with armor as we know it today and as we, we have it today, we don't really think much about a breastplate like they would have in the days of Scripture. But we all know what a bulletproof vest is that officers and some military people wear. The bulletproof vest, what it does is it protects your heart and the vital organs of your being. Paul said we need to put on this vest, this breastplate, which is really God's righteousness. What he said was every day when we start dressing, preparing for our spiritual life, we need to put on God's righteousness and allow his righteousness to protect our hearts. Now, what does that mean? That righteousness, it simply means, it reminds me that I am in right standing with God. Now, why is this important? I talk to a lot of people on a lot of different occasions from all walks of life, some believers, some not. But one of the things I've learned is a lot of believers live life when challenges come, they're afraid of challenges and they're afraid of battles because they think they're not worthy of God's help. Because they think they're not good enough, they don't know enough, that they're not a really good Christian and a strong Christian and a strong believer. Let me tell you something, either you're saved or you're not saved. Either you're righteousness of God in Christ or you're not. Scripture says that Jesus went to the cross and he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, why is this important? It's important because we need to protect our hearts knowing that every day that we live, we are righteous in the sight of God. We are right standing in the sight of God. No matter what comes my way, God is on my side. He is for me, not against me. And no devil in hell can get in my face and beat me down because God says, I will come to your rest. I will fight those battles that you cannot fight because you are my child. You are right in my sight. So don't run from the enemy thinking you're not worthy. You are righteous in the sight of God. That's who we are. That's who we are. Above all else, we are right with God. We are right in the sight of God, not by our works, but by what Jesus did for us on the cross. So he said, God has made you righteous, so let your heart begin to think and operate in terms of righteousness. Let all of my intentions be God-inspired. Let my intentions, let what comes from my heart be Scripture-based. Let this, this, this covering of God's righteousness, this vest... Let it protect my heart. You know, in, in, in the Old Testament, it tells us that we need to guard our hearts because all the issues of life flow out of our hearts. And he's given us a breastplate of righteousness that says, this is who you are, this is what you are, so live this way and let righteousness flow out of your life. Let rightness come from you. And then the, the second piece of armor that I want to talk about, God said, I've, I've got something for your feet. In the Old Testament and New Testament days, we would think more in terms of sandals. Today, if you're going to war, you're going to wear combat boots. Okay? They're strong. Some of them are steel-toed. They're very protective. No matter what kind of terrain you're in, those boots are tough. But what it says is, put on these shoes 
these boots of the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, everywhere you go, every place you visit, everything that you do, carry the gospel with you, carry the good news with you, and expect blessing and peace to come your way. If you look at the word peace in the New Testament, it really talks about your total welfare, every area of your life. And what Paul's saying is, as you live your life, you know, you, you've got this righteousness coming from your heart, but when you're dealing with people, when you're going places, go places where God wants you to go. Don't go places where you don't need to go. Walk down pathways that God would have you walk. Don't walk around, around down wrong pathways. And go with this gospel of peace, knowing that everywhere you know, go, goodness and mercy is going to follow you. God's hand of blessing and protection is going to be upon you. So live your life. Live your life going with the gospel of peace. Be at peace with people. Make peace with people. You know, scripture tells us in the Old Testament in the Proverbs that when a man's heart is right with God and his ways satisfy God, that even our enemies will come to peace with us. God wants you to live in peace and he wants you to expect his blessing and peace everywhere that you go. But now I want to dig in a little bit closer with the rest of this armor. And trust me, I will finish on time today, okay? Notice if you would that Paul said we need to put on this thing called the helmet of salvation. Now, we all can picture the helmet because we all have seen football. We, some of us see too much football. Uh, how many wives, your husband watches too much football? Um, college, pro, whatever it might be. We've got people right now sitting at home saying, hurry up and get finished, football is on. Okay? We know what a helmet is. Can you imagine going out to play football, tackle football, without a helmet, without pads? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what might happen if you went into battle without any protection on your head? Well, what's the importance of the helmet of salvation? Well, what does a helmet protect? Protects your thinking. Everything that your body does comes from here. All the thought process, all the actions, everything. Even those muscles that you don't even realize, like your heart and your lungs that are constantly working, it all comes from here. The blood that keeps pumping through your system, it's all happening because of what's going on here. And what Paul said was, as believers, we need to put on a helmet of salvation. He said, you need to start thinking like you're saved. You need to start thinking like you're a child of God. You need to start thinking God's thoughts. You need to let God's thoughts permeate your mind to the point every situation that arises, you address it as God would address it. We're the children of God. You know, Romans chapter 8 tells us we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. Why are we going through life trying to figure it all out on our own when God has resources for this life? We need to put on the helmet of salvation and everything that comes our way in life, address it with the knowledge of of God. We need the helmet of salvation. Can I take it one step further? When you start walking with God, you need to start seeing life differently than you used to see it. 
There's a difference in how an unbeliever sees life and how a believer sees life. There's a difference in how an unbeliever sees eternity and how a believer sees eternity. There's a difference in how an unbeliever will see battles that come about and how a believer sees battles. We need to see everything in life through God's word and understand that God wants us to think his thoughts and see things the way he sees things. 2 Corinthians 10 puts it this way. It says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Do you know where the enemy builds his strongholds? Between your ears. Everybody smile at me. He builds his strongholds between our ears because he goes on to say, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Everything that contradicts this and disagrees with this, I need to throw it aside. I need to get it out of my mind. Everything that disagrees with the promises of God, I need to throw it down and get it out of my mind. I need to fill my mind with the word of God to know what God's promised to me as a believer, as a child of God being saved. This is how I live. This is how I walk. And I'm not going to accept the enemy getting me on some other pathway. I'm wearing a helmet of salvation. Romans 12, 2, we refer to that a lot. Do not be conformed to the world. Be transformed, be changed. Go through this metamorphosis by the renewing, literally the renovating of your mind. See, some of us need to have our minds renovated a little bit. We need to have some drywall ripped off and some walls knocked out and some things expanded and some limitations moved out of the way because as we think in our heart, so are we. It's going to create a pathway for our lives. And if I'm thinking in the terms of salvation, being a child of God, it changes the way I see everything and it changes the way I approach life. It's interesting in, in the story of David and Goliath. Here Goliath has been down in this valley for 40 days mocking the people of Israel. Nobody wants to fight him because he's a giant of a man. He's a warrior. He's got all this armor. He's even got an armor bearer, a guy out front bearing his shield and bearing his armor, keeping him ready for battle. Nobody wants to fight this giant. And then David comes along, this teenage kid. He says, I'll fight him with my shepherd's staff and my sling. It's all I need. Well, David heads down into the valley to take on Goliath, and Goliath sees, his coming, sees him coming, and he gets so enraged, he leaves his shield bearer, his armor bearer, he, gets, or he takes off in a rage. He just loses his head and loses his thoughts, and he runs down towards David, yelling and screaming at him. And David takes out his sling and a stone and fires this stone, and he hits Goliath in the only unprotected part of his body, right there in his forehead. His shield didn't come down. His helmet didn't come down far enough. And bang, it nailed him right there and he fell to the ground dead. So the way I say it, say it is, Goliath lost his head and then Goliath lost his head. Because David chopped it off. See, what happens is, a lot of us don't realize the enemy keeps us in a bad spot. He keeps us on the run because he keeps hammering us in an unprotected spot. And it's this spot right here between our ears. He throws his stones and nails us there. And because we don't believe God and think like we're children of God, we're always on the run. It's good preaching today. I'm going to buy the cassette tape of this. This is good. So what do you do with the helmet? You put it on your head to protect your head and protect your thoughts. And by the way, before I go to the next piece of armor, 
One of the things you'll notice about God's armor, he didn't give you anything for your backside. Because he never intended for you to turn your back on the enemy and he never intended you to run from the enemy. You turn your back on the enemy, you run from the enemy, you are probably on your own because God says, I have nothing to do with that. I gave you armor, dress up and fight. Hello? Somebody at home said, oh, turn the channel, turn the channel right now. <laughs> the next piece of armor that I want to talk about is this belt of truth. My wife is making fun of me first service because I wasn't doing it right. I'm not sure how I was doing it wrong, but I wasn't doing it right. But let me ask you a question. What's a belt for? Keep your pants up. Keep your slacks up. It, it, it kind of holds your outfit together. Shows you where the shirt ends and where it tucks in. I, mean, I know we wear shirts out a lot today, but it shows you where the shirt ends and where the pants begin, and it keeps the pants in place so that things don't get exposed. Is that, is that a simple enough way to say it? Not being off color, I'm just stating a fact here. Okay? The belt of truth, the belt of truth holds my life together and it causes everything to work correctly. See, God says, I give you this belt and it's my truth. In Bible days, many of those ancient warriors had this armor, all this armor that they wore. But the belt was critical because the armor connected all the pieces. You had your tool belt, so to speak, there were things that hung on there. And then it connected your, your, your breastplate and it all fastened together right here. And then sometimes even leg shields would fasten on right there. So you had to have this belt in place to hold all the armor together. And what God says is, if you want to hold your life together, you need to build on truth, not lies. I mentioned earlier, Paul said it. He said the devil has these wiles, these schemes, he, this trickery, this stuff. The enemy is always trying to get us to believe lies. That's why Jesus warned us, Satan is a liar and he's the father of lies. How do you know when the devil's lying? When he opens his mouth, he's lying. That's how you know. That's his nature. He's a liar. But Jesus said truth will hold your life together. John 17, I think it's verse 17. Jesus said, Father, separate them by your truth. Your word is truth. So the truth of God is what we're supposed to believe. If we don't have the belt of truth in place, we're susceptible to lies and deception of the enemy. If you don't know the truth, you'll believe anything. That's just the nature. And the rest of our armor becomes unused and useless if we don't have truth to hold it all together. See, if, if, we, don't know, if we don't have truth, we don't know what battles are spiritual and what are natural. We don't know the difference. But the belt of truth helps us see things as God sees it. We need his truth. Now, let me illustrate it to you this way. What happens when you tell lies? You get you go to Washington. There's a good one right there. I didn't say that. Somebody I repeated somebody else. 
I would have said Sacramento, okay? I wouldn't have said Washington. But what, what happens when you tell lies? Well, if you tell a lie, you get caught, and then you've got to tell another lie to cover it. Then you've got to tell another lie to cover that. Then you've got to, it goes on. And eventually, eventually, when the truth comes out, you get exposed and people know you're a liar. See, that's why you need a belt of truth. So you don't get caught in a bunch of stuff. Well, well let, me, let me ask you this. What happens when you believe lies? Have you ever had somebody sell you something and they told you all about it? And I had this happen one time. Somebody sold us something. They brought up the contract to sign it. It was like 48 pages, tiny print. It's like, I don't have time to read all this. And the guy's like, hurry up, hurry up, and sign it, hurry up. And come to find out later on, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there he didn't tell us about. He lied about it. What happens? What happens when you believe lies? Well, eventually it all gets exposed and it leaves you in a bad place. We need the belt of truth to hold our lives together. What do you do with the belt? You put it on and you keep everything in place where it needs to be. It connects all of the armor and makes everything work correctly. We need to wear that belt of God's truth. Move on quickly. Next piece of armor, he talked about a shield of faith. Now, we don't really use shields so much in battle as they did in those days, but we all know what a shield is. What do you do with the shield? You hold it up so when the enemy throws things at you, whether it be darts, whether it be arrows that they would shoot with the bow or, or a spear, you can hold up that shield and knock down the attack and you feel no effects of it. In the natural, that's what you do with the shield. But spiritually, what do you do with the shield? Well, Paul said the shield that God's given us is a shield of faith. It's not steel, it's not metal, it's not tin, it's not brass, it's not gold, it's not silver. He's given us a shield of faith, our belief in God and His Word. That's the shield that God's asked us to use. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Can I go one step further? Without faith, it's impossible to walk with God. Let me go one step further. Without faith, it's impossible to win battles because the enemy will hurt you. And when he hurts you, you'll get focused on yourself because Paul said he has these fiery darts he throws. And when these darts hit you, they hurt, they burn, they cause wounds, they cause infection. And it takes you a while to get over it. And if you don't deal with it well, you'll get gangrene and you'll totally walk away from God. You see, God has given us a shield of faith. God says, here's what I promise to you. And if you believe it, hold it up high and it'll stop everything that the enemy throws your way it's a shield of faith and faith comes from hearing hearing the word of god god demands us to have faith hold up a shield of faith years ago when i was just starting in ministry there was an older retired gentleman a pastor in my home church great man of god he'd preached for like 50 years we used to get wisdom from him. And one day he told us a story. He said he was pastoring a church and there was a woman in the church who was just hateful. She was hateful to everybody. Had a sharp tongue and man, she would rip you to shreds and just make you want to cry sometimes. She would embarrass you so badly in front of people. He said one day he was walking through the back of the church and the lady was there talking to some other ladies and she turned to the pastor and she just let go and she just insulted the pastor and said some horribly harsh words. And the pastor just kind of dropped his head and he said, I, you know, I walked out of the room and 
shook my head and as I walked into the next room there was a lady standing there who heard it and she said pastor I'm sorry and this whole pastor said I looked at her and said sometimes I wish I had the height of a rhinoceros and this lady looked at him and said pastor if you had the height of a rhinoceros you wouldn't need the shield of faith see God will protect us even from harsh things people say we can knock them down right there and keep them from hitting our hearts and our emotions and creating other problems in our lives. You know, Jesus talked about offenses. Really what Jesus said in summary was, you're going to be offended in life. The question is, are you going to let it hurt you and then bounce off? Or are you just going to let it go? Because if you let it go, the end is better than when it happened. Let me explain it this way. What Jesus really said was, Offenses are going to come, but the offense isn't the big deal. It's how you respond to the offense. If you use the shield of faith, it'll stop it at arm's length. If you let it get into your body, it'll create problems for a long time. We need the shield of faith. And you know, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul wrote to Timothy and he warned him about a couple of men in the church. He said, I've turned these guys over to the devil. Because these guys have shipwrecked their faith. They didn't walk with God. They didn't live right. Their consciences got seared. They began to ignore the word of God. They went their own way. Their faith totally changed. They gave up on all the promises of God. And Paul said their faith has been shipwrecked. Do you know what happens when your faith gets shipwrecked? Have you ever watched a movie where they show those old wooden ships from centuries gone by? sailing along and all of a sudden they get hit with a cannonball or they hit an island or hit a rock and it begins to break that ship apart you know what happens a board goes here and then a board goes there and then a board goes there water begins to rush in more and more and all of a sudden that entire ship because of the pressure just begins to fall apart and you've got pieces of that ship everywhere you know what happens when your faith gets shipwrecked it's a board here it's a board there and before long everything falls apart we need to hold on to our faith. Because if you lose your faith, everything starts spreading apart. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, he said, you need to fight the good fight of faith. You need to fight for your faith and keep it in place. Don't let it fall down. Don't let it lower itself. Keep it up and strong. Hold on to the shield of faith. Because when the enemy starts throwing things at you, you can knock them down right there. Then the last thing, I'm almost finished. God said, I'm going to give you all this protective armor, but I'm only going to give you one offensive weapon. He said, I'm going to give you a sword. Now, we don't use swords in our warfare really today much. I've been in people's homes where they got swords hanging on their walls. I've been in guys' offices where they got swords hanging on the wall. But Paul said, God's given you an offensive weapon to defeat the enemy. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. God's Word is alive. It's our only offensive weapon. But can I tell you today, God's word is the only offensive weapon that you need. It'll win the battles. 
You know, Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, most of us know the story. He fasted for 40 days. Physically, he was hungry. He was weak. And the enemy came in and said, hey, you're hungry. You're weak. Hey, you know what? You need to turn those stones into bread. Then you'll have food to eat. And Jesus, being assaulted at a weak physical moment, pulled out the sword of the Spirit and began to slice and dice the enemy and put him in his place. Jesus said, it's written. It's written. It's in the Word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Three different temptations, three different times Satan comes in and throws obstacles in his way trying to turn him off of God's path. But every time Jesus pulled out the sword of the Spirit, told him, this is what God's Word says, this is who I am, this is what I believe, I will not move, and Satan had to leave him. Scripture says he left and he waited for another opportune time to come in with temptation. What do you do with the sword? You cut the enemy, and you slash him, and you, you slice him and dice him until you've destroyed him. But you know, when I think about the sword of the Spirit, when I think about the Word of God as a weapon, there are plenty of times when the enemy throws circumstances our way because he wants to know, what do you believe? What do you believe? I've said this on a few occasions here at the church, but I want to say it and stress it today really strongly. The only authority Satan has in your life is what you believe he has and therefore what you give him. He has no authority except what you give him. But by the same token, the only authority God has in your life is what you believe him for and what you give him. The only authority this has in your life is when you believe it. Is when you say, I believe it with all of my heart. I will live my life by what it says. When you do that and the enemy comes in, all you've got to do is pop out the scripture and say, there it is. And he's gone. He's gone. You know what Satan wants to know when he attacks you? He wants to know, what do you really believe? Once he's convinced you know what you believe and you're not backing off of it, he'll leave you alone. If you start walking backwards, moving away from him, doing a moonwalk, the first thing you know, he will take in and annex every step of territory you backed off of. But God's not called us to defeat. He's called us to victory. In closing today, almost every day of my life, not every single day, but almost every day of my life, I'm an, I'm an early riser. I get up early in the morning. I spend time with God. I spend time getting my head and my heart right before I face the day. I open up God's word and I talk to God about what's going on in my mind, what's going on in my heart, what my schedule looks like for the day, and I seek his direction for my life and for our church. Pretty much every day of my life starts that way. You know why I do that? Because I want to put on the helmet of salvation breastplate of righteousness the belt of truth preparation of the gospel of peace on my feet the shield of faith the sword of the spirit those are the only weapons that guarantee success in this life I want to pray for you today because I know the last few minutes as I've shared 
probably everybody in this room has had God tap on your heart and say, you know what? You, you need to make sure you get this on. You, you need to put this armor on every single day, all of it. I want to pray for you right now. And then I'm going to pray a different prayer after that. But I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads. Those of you watching at home, I encourage you to make this a God moment right there in your living room or wherever you might be. I want to pray for you. Father, I lift to you everybody who hears this message today. And I ask you that you will encourage us to do two things. Number one, be strong. Number two, put on the armor of God. That we will stop running from the enemy. We will stop living in fear. And we will decide to start living in faith, trusting you in your word. Father, I pray today that as people are sitting here thinking about this message, that the Holy Spirit would just touch people's hearts and show them, here's an area. Here's something you need to remember. Here's something you need to do. Brother, the simplicity of this message today can be so profound if we'll be hearers of the word and then doers of the word. God, help us to have a determination in our hearts that every day, every day, every single day, we will put on all, all, all of the armor of God. Not one part of our being will be unprotected. Not one part of our being will be unprepared for battle. That your blessing, your hand, your provision will be seen in every area of our lives. I ask this in Jesus' name. And while heads are still bowed, I want to pray one more brief prayer. Maybe you've listened to this today in the building. Maybe online you're listening to this. Maybe you've realized, man, I've lost a lot of battles in my life and I've gone a lot of wrong directions, a lot of wrong pathways because I didn't have God. I didn't know God. I didn't know his wisdom and direction. You might even be tired of losing to the point where you're at the end of your life and you don't want to go any further. Let me tell you today, God cares about you. He's concerned about everything going on. You may be ready to quit and give up. God knows. God cares. And maybe, just maybe, he's dropped this in your pathway today to tell you he loves you. You see, God put his own son on a cross to pay for your sins so you could come into relationship with him and know him and have him working on your behalf. Maybe you've never accepted his invitation. Maybe you've never said yes to him. But maybe right now you're at a point where you're saying, I need Jesus. I need God in my life. It all starts with words, with the prayer, saying, God, I need you and I accept your help. As God's knocking on the door of your heart right now, I want to help you open that door. I want to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. It's not magic words. It's words of faith that will open your heart. And I ask you to wrap your heart around these words. And I'm going to ask everybody in the building, those of you watching online, pray this prayer with us right now. Repeat this. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I want to know you. I want you to be my father. And I want to be your child. I accept Jesus as my savior. Full payment for my sins. And I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am your child. You are my father. Thank you for receiving me. I will learn your ways. 
I will grow in faith and I will see your blessing in my life. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. That's the most important prayer you can ever pray in your entire life, but it's not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning of the journey and we want to help you get to know God, get connected with Him, start understanding God, His plans for your life. We've got a little tool we'd love to give you, a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just simple reading for the next week. It'll help you understand how much God loves you and some of the great plans He has for you, all the things He's promised to be. I want to give this to you. If you're here in the building today, in just a couple of minutes when we are finished, there'll be prayer teams on that side of the building and on that side of the building on those open spaces. You can just walk over there and ask the person there, say, can I, can I have the booklet? They'll give it to you there. No strings attached. If you're in a big rush today, as you leave the building, right in the middle of the glass doors as you exit, there's a counter set up there. Stop by there. They can give you the same booklet there. We'd love to give it to you. It'll help you get started walking with God. If you're watching online on the screen today, there are instructions how you can go to our website. We'll get this booklet to you. We want to help you know God and get started walking with him. It's really important that you let us give this to you today. God bless you. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family? God bless you. And finally today, just before we go, this is Thanksgiving week, as I mentioned earlier. We all know this. Thanksgiving is a compound word. It starts with thanks in our heart, and then it's expressed in, in our giving. Today, the last thing that we do in service is we worship God with our giving. We give because God's asked us to. We give because we have hearts of thankfulness and gratitude and gratefulness to God. We also give in faith, knowing that God blesses us when we honor Him with our giving. You're not giving to me. You're giving to God's work. You're giving to God today. I just want to say thank you. In this Thanksgiving season, you guys have been so faithful all this year week after week, and I appreciate it so much, but more than that, God knows your efforts and your giving. God will bless you. As you go today, if you want to give in-house, there are two offering containers, one on each wall, just to the side of these doors as you first exit. You can drop off your offering there. Out in the lobby to the right by the children's check-in, you can drop off an offering there, or you can give online and the other ways that we've shown you today. Hey, God bless you. I love you. I appreciate you so much. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a great week in the Lord.